When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Here we go. Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson Jackson himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Palanga Reva. This is Antonio Barbera. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's fun to have a good football team. It's fun to have football back in our lives. Week one games. Down the hatch. Ravens starting out 1-0. Football season's back. Raven season officially back when I woke up Sunday morning and Jimmy Smith had back spasms and was doubtful to play in the game. Did end up playing a little bit, but overall, very excited to talk some Ravens football. Going to introduce my co-hosts here, Tim Horsey on the East Coast. How are you feeling, Tim? Week one, 1-0, one and oh, and that first victory is a blowout against the overhyped Antonio says they're going to make the playoffs Browns. I couldn't be better, my friend. I could not be better. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go right past that uh, on the West Coast. Chase Evans, Chase, how you feeling with the Ravens? One and oh, absolutely delightful, Antonio. I watched football uh, unbroken for I don't know nine, ten, twelve consecutive hours yesterday. I actually woke up early in giddy anticipation of the season. Uh, which, if for those who know me, I'm not an early riser, but I woke up multiple hours before the Ravens kicked off. Um, uh, I, I was so excited yesterday. I actually had Sunday, the Sunday off, uh, 
So it was just me and my computers watching the stats and watching the games. It was a delight. So, uh, uh, yeah, real joy to have football back. It's my favorite sport. I've obviously this is obvious. We do a podcast about it, but football is the best. And I was super happy all day yesterday. <laughs> Jace, uh, the quote, "Not an early riser." Is uh, I mean, I don't want to out you, Jace, here, but <laughs> Bit of an a one o'clock game on the West Coast is 10 a.m. for you, and that's four hours before I think you're uh, operational. So, well, well done by you on that. Uh, you. Ravens 38 to 6 winners, week one at the bank, empty stadium, didn't matter, a lot of excitement, big win, lot to talk about here, whole lot of positives. That's how we like it. I'm gonna, guys, let's just dive right in here, Tim. First impressions, things you liked, things you didn't like. Let's dive in with the uh, 1-0 Baltimore Ravens. Is Lamar Jackson better than he was in his MVP season? He might be. Yes. He might be. Again, week one, everything's going to have overreactions. We're going to talk about the NFL in general. But my first thought was, and I was watching it with a few buddies who echoed the same thing, man, it is fun to just watch him play. And it's just reaping the rewards of having to deal with Kyle Bowler and late year Joe Flacco <laughs> and Tony Banks and Chris Redman and Elvis Gerback. And finally, as we've echoed all last year, it, there was this void in my life in this NFL offseason not watching Lamar Jackson play football. And, you know, I won't take too, too many of the points away. There's one guy I know Antonio is going to talk about, so I'll save that. But I'll talk about the other guy. Mark Andrews might end this season as the best tight end in football if he can stay healthy. Um, an unreal performance from him as well. Um, you know, Lamar played great, but every time that maybe the throw wasn't as accurate as you would like it to be, I'll allow that first touchdown pass. Mark Andrews and those big old bear paws of his said, doesn't matter, I'm going to go grab that thing. So plenty of other stuff to talk about. Um, I, know we'll get to, I know we'll get to everything, but I don't want to steal everybody's thunder. So that my initial impression is just it is so fun to have Lamar back. So that's a great to talk about Mark Andrews and that touchdown. Let's start with the first quarter, Jace. Uh, Ravens starting without the ball, but quickly taking a lead. Can you talk about how that first quarter went uh, Went for you as a fan watching from the couch? Oh, I we anticipated liking this man. First series, uh, I can think we can speak for everyone and say uh, we are in love with Calais Campbell on this podcast. Um, the big guy just... It's crazy how big he is. You see him standing next to other players. You see him at the podium after the game. Like, he is... I This is... I knew he was big, right? He's the big, one of the biggest players in the NFL. But he is massive. And him dropping into coverage on that first series, deflecting Baker Mayfield's pass right in the hands of all-pro cornerback Marlon Humphrey. You really couldn't have asked for a better start. And on that same series, he deflected another pass. So he deflects two balls on the first series of the game in his first uh, season in Baltimore. And then said, even after the game, he was disappointed. He left some plays out uh, on the field, but uh, I mean, what a fast start for him. And then, you know, that gets the Ravens the ball immediately. And uh, you know, they end it with that incredible Mark Andrews grab. It was pretty much a perfect start right off the bat for the Ravens there. Uh, As a uh, fire truck, it drives by me here. I just want to talk about then the second. So the first drive, Ravens, as you drew it up, Jace, could not have gone any better. Up 7 nothing. It's sort of the thing that we've talked about all of last season, like get the ball, get a lead. In theory, we would then say, and then just 
pound the rock and end up with 200 rushing yards and dominate time of possession, but that's not really how this game went. Uh, Much more in terms of Lamar Jackson, as Tim mentioned right at the top, showing, I think, absolute like positive development as a passer, which is hard to do from an MVP season to now, but one game in, he absolutely looked, I think, steps better than he did last year, throwing outside the hash marks, throwing to Hollywood Brown, which was my, uh, I think, one of my favorite uh, player talking points from this game with five catches and over 100 receiving yards. I think that's going to continue week in, week out. Um, But just seeing throws that Lamar made consistently in this game that I'm not sure we saw a lot of last season. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because you talk about that, and to combine sort of just his play but also the weapons he has around him, we talked a lot about maybe we saw the improvement from Hollywood Brown, but maybe we weren't going to get any more from anybody else. And they didn't upgrade the weapons like you thought they would. Des Bryant didn't come in, and the Ravens chose to stick with their guys. And the improvement and the camaraderie and the connection between all of these guys has really showed. Um, you know, it's Sarah Ellison on Twitter, big a good Ravens follow there if, if you don't follow her already. You know, she's tweeted this uh, today, just kind of looking back at the game. The Ravens stuck with this young wide receiving core instead of signing an expensive free agent, and it paid off. If you if you factor in only Marcus or Marquise Brown, excuse me, Willie Sneed and Miles Boykin, combine those three together. Not even talking about Duvarnay and some of the plays he made. Twelve catches, two hundred and two yards, and a touchdown. Compare that to Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry; they totaled eight catches for eighty-three yards. Um, it just shows that. You don't always have to have the flashy names, and Lamar is consistently one of these guys who seems to make everybody better. Now, off of the passing game, I want to get a little bit to the running game, and to start with the running game, I want to talk first about the offensive line, because we had really, we thought we knew who was going to be playing right guard based on the depth chart. We thought it was going to be uh, DJ Fluker, but Tyree Phillips, the rookie, gets in there, plays 95% of the offensive snaps. And as we were talking about in our little text group during the game, didn't hear his name too often, so that means he's probably doing pretty good, and he's probably doing a pretty good job. And you're not hearing a lot from the defensive linemen uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Um, You know, Ronnie Stanley, we can kind of swiftly move on from that. It seems like he's going to be okay based on everything Harbaugh is saying. And thank God, because DJ Fluker took his place, and Miles Garrett had a bit of a field day (laughs) towards the end of the game there, uh, getting around him at a left tackle. But... We can talk about the running backs, too, but I just thought a special shout-out to the rookie, Tyree Phillips, coming in and looking like that's his job now, and in case, unless he is going to lose it. But all all early signs indicate that that's his job and he's not going to. I, uh, I was impressed, um, obviously, with Lamar. I don't know if this is hyperbolic to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think it was one of the best games we've ever seen him play. Um, just for some of the reasons we mentioned, uh, you know, Cleveland's defense wasn't horrible in this game you know the Ravens didn't get a ton of yards after catch they were sticking with the guys pretty long I mean you 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 talk about the the Lamar to Hollywood connection that 47 yard bomb on the money it was beautiful but like I, I don't know who the Browns defender was but he was stride for stride with Hollywood on that he had to like stick it on him and he did and that's kind of Hollywood talked about Lamar's pinpoint passing and I think especially you know once Stanley goes out 
the Browns were causing some problems along the defensive front uh, with Fluker over at left tackle, but you know, Lamar stayed poised and like the touchdown pass to Willie Sneed to extend that lead and kind of, cause you know, we saw some big comebacks yesterday. We'll probably get to some of them. The bears most notably uh, yesterday. So it was 24 six when Stanley goes down and you know, a team with the offensive weapons like the Browns, you can't say you can't rule out that the game's over with as much game as was left. It was near, nearly the entire game. So for like Lamar to like, you know, battle through that and just keep, he had some of those gorgeous passes just right. Like, narrow windows to mark andrews during some of those drives uh in in the second half too uh to extend the lead and really put the game away for good uh even without your all pro left tackle i was really impressed with that and uh you know just his overall numbers 20 for 25 i mean 275 he uh and to kind of speak to circle back to maybe some negatives the running game really wasn't going um super great and you can maybe credit the browns with some of that uh lamar still led the team in rushing but he didn't run much uh you know he uh only had seven attempts um and under uh 50 yards so um it wasn't you know his most dynamic uh game on the ground but i was just super impressed with him uh throwing the ball he was on the money all day uh yesterday and it was impressive to watch and to that point too because this could be a lamar love fest we could do this for three (laughs) hours and and you would probably listen to it because you're as obsessed with this team as we are if you're listening to a podcast about them um but on him those last two drives of the first half um and before we get to before we move on from things i i like we have to talk about the browns ineptitude um just complete and utter ridiculous ridiculousness um i could watch that punter get his his helmet taken off about six or seven times <laughs> more and still be satisfied um but Ugh. but on those last two drives and i mentioned that because one of them came off a missed field goal which that guy is gone now too as well it was a 10 play drive that went 99 yards and a seven play drive that went 69 yards in just 35 seconds and that was after the missed field goal uh, as we put in here this is from jeff Zarebeck. lamar jackson goes 10 for 12 for 144 yards and a touchdown Nine straight completions at one point. And that final drive right before the end of the half is the typical New England Brady drive. It's the, we're getting the ball back in the second half, but we're going to basically double dip here. We're going to put some points on the board to end it, and then we're going to get it back and hopefully get points on the front end of the second half. So obviously it didn't work out that way in the second half, but an incredible job in another type of game management situation that we don't see a ton of from the Ravens um, to just – execute perfectly now I guess Antonio we can turn a little bit to the running game here because in my personal opinion we might be having a new starter a lot sooner than I thought J.K. Dobbins I, I assume you're talking about J.K. Dobbins that, yeah uh, that would be him not Justice Hill a no. guy very impressive yeah I agree with you Tim very impressive in terms of that combination of speed and power did not really have a ton of you only uh seven carries for 22 yards Mark Ingram 10 carries for 29 yards, not a lot of space. And and that's the one maybe concern in terms of the offensive line too, is not a lot of holes for them to run through this whole game, but it sort of worked like a backwards Ravens game. And that could be in terms of what defenses are trying to do. A lot of the off season talk was how our defense is going to adjust to stopping the Ravens rushing attack. And, And they, the Browns did that somewhat effectively which, however, then led to Lamar Jackson finding one-on-one coverage all over the field and, and absolutely delivering. Tim, Dobbins looks good. 
the only the carry for me of note is his uh, first touchdown run when they he had a rush to the left side basically, and he had work to do when he got the ball. And he first showed the speed to get to the edge to turn the corner, and then to p- the power to just sort of shake off the last defender. I believe it was like a safety or a corner, and he just had, slid right off of him as he went into the end zone. I'm not sure yet uh, whether it's going to be he's going to take all of Ingram's carries, but as a week one impression of a rookie, he he certainly looks strong. Yeah, just quickly, Jace, before you, before you give your thoughts, to me, Dobbins is the. We've talked about him, talked about him, talked about him. And as somebody who doesn't watch as much college, admittedly, you know, I don't watch a ton of Ohio State. I have much better things to do with my life uh, than watch the (laughs) Buckeyes play football every Saturday. But Dobbins was one of those guys that everybody who knew him was like, this is going to be a coup. I can't wait for this. And then just to see him in that uniform and watch him play, it's just like, I don't know. It was weird comparatively to Ingram and not – I, I, agree, I agree with you. Ingram's still going to have a majority of this offense. But you look at the two guys, and I was almost like, well, you can definitely tell one of these guys is the new blood, and one of these guys might be getting up there in age. Because Dobbins looks incredible. And I know it's a very small sample size, and obviously the, the two touchdowns, a little vulture, a vulture-ish for those of you who had Ingram in fantasy. But um, <laughs> I was I was just super impressed with him. Yeah, I, I – um... To I guess just kind of broaden the conversation, I was pretty impressed with kind of all the Ravens rookies. Um, honestly, uh, you know Patrick Queen, uh, Ravens first round pick, led the team in tackles, got in on a sack, uh, forced a fumble um, in the second uh, half, uh, which really you know led to the touchdown that really put the game away. Um, and uh, uh, we mentioned Tyree Phillips, uh, and then um, you mentioned Duvernay got in on the pass game and. I thought, you know, uh, we mentioned the 99-yard drive. That was set up by a uh, James Prochet, perhaps rookie miscue of uh, not fielding a punt. But I thought otherwise, from then on, I thought both him and Duvernay were pretty impressive in the return game. Uh, yeah, At least, you know, compared to what we've seen uh, in recent years from uh, this return game, Duvernay had uh, 64 yards of kick returns on just two attempts and. uh 32 yards and his long was 38 so you know he went 20 like 8 plus on the other one or 25 plus on the other one and then Prochet had 26 yards on two punt returns um uh 13 yard average which for punts is great so I don't know I don't it's early to say we found something because uh the Browns had a lot of mistakes in this game they faced a third and 41 at one point after crossing midfield you know they missed an extra point they missed a field goal um Baker had uh, that pick right off the bat, a, f- a fumble. It was very Brownsy. Um, so that's, I guess, the only thing holding me back a little bit from sort of everything we watched yesterday. But I was impressed with the rookies for sure, uh, especially just no preseason games because, you know, these are the guys who get, like, the most time in the preseason in these games. And to just kind of go in cold and kind of impress in the first game, it w- it's a good sign. It's promising. This might be recency bias, but I, I have to ask this. Which is funnier to you, or which is more of a top five Browns moment? The guys taking selfie videos as they're about to kick the game-winning field goal on Monday Night Football, and it gets blocked, (laughs) and the Ravens win in Cleveland, and it's just the complete and utter deserved depression that those people get every single year watching their team. Or third and 41. Because for me, it's third (laughs) and 41. Something about seeing that graphic on the screen. We were watching myself and three other people here uh, in the apartment watching the game. 
and you couldn't hear the TV. We were laughing so hard. It was just it's a <laughs> monumental moment for me that I will never forget that this whole this whole Odell Jarvis, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Baker's feeling dangerous. By the way, still too many Baker commercials. And they get stuck in these horrible, <laughs> horrible situations like third and 41. I just – I don't know what you guys think, but that well, is a t- – I tweeted this out, well, and then I retweeted it from the Pod Like a Raven account. A top <laughs> five Browns moment of all time is them getting stuck in a third and freaking 41. Well, especially in that moment, right? It's a four-point game. The score is 10-6. to six. Patrick Ricard just fumbled when the Ravens were motoring again on offense. Uh – they cross midfield and then get into a third and 41 situation. Uh, it's just unbelievable. I, I, I mean, it's, it tracks, right? And then, you know, the Ravens, that's immediately when uh, I believe they go on the, uh, um, the 99 yard drive immediately after that. Yeah. Uh, after the third and 41. And then the Browns miss a kind of, not chip shots a stretch, but, should have been makeable field goal after Odell just horrible drop on uh, um, just a horrible drop on third down. And uh, then the Ravens add that extra touchdown. And that really is what put the game away. So it was just so Browns third and 41. I'm top tier for me, for sure. <laughs> I, I listen, I'm just never going to forget that blocked field goal return. <laughs> that was a bad Ravens team on the road in a tie game where the absolute worst case scenario should have been overtime. And that's the part that makes me cheese the most is that the Ravens return it for a touchdown and, and literally a tackle and the game would have been tied and they would have gone into overtime. So that for me, that still trumps it because I bet the Browns have been in some other uh, like third and 41s in the past few (laughs) years, maybe another non Ravens games. But I do that. I do want to use that as a pivot point. We've all sort of circled it already that the Browns were in this game early. The thirty-eight to six is sort of you know the, the final score where the Browns really fell up. I mean, th- th- there wasn't even that much effort in the second half from them offensively, in my opinion. But earlier in the game, when it was still close, one of the biggest issues was the Browns' rushing attack, and they sort of shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again, and then we're not really able to get back into that sort of playbook that they had that they had established. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb was a scary duo when the Browns were rolling, I want to say like mid-first quarter into the second. Kareem Hunt finishes with 72 yards on 13 carries. Nick Chubb has 60 yards on only 10 carries. Breaking <laughs> tackles, shedding a lot of Ravens guys. There were sort of shades of the home game the season before, when the Ravens were just sort of unable to tackle Nick Chubb. So, you know, I'm sort of wrapping this up with a few different questions for you guys, but how much are we taking away with a 38-6 to win against a Browns team that sort of just Browns to their way all over the field? And then your thoughts defensively on whether this is a one-time issue where they just, those are two good running backs and they're tough to bring down, or the Ravens may have some of the same issues they had early last season with, with the tackle. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody struggles tackling, especially with no preseason. Um, you know, it's always kind of a theme that the defenses are ahead of the offenses, but the defenses still can't tackle. It's like this whole mantra that runs out every season early. Um, you talk about Calais Campbell earlier. I think that's why he would say that they left some stuff out on the field because the run, the run defense was poor. 
Um, and that's kind of what you're going to get. Patrick Queen, again, speed flashed. He was He's a quick guy. We all knew that. But just seeing it in your own uniform just makes you smile. But for sure there were some issues in, with those middle linebackers allowing some of these gaping runs. And if you're a Browns fan, you hope Stefanski goes away from – I know I've got these stars receivers and this quarterback who wants to throw the ball all around the park and more relies on that, that duo he has in the backfield. Cause I agree, Antonio, they on top of their game and Kareem hunt looks back to sort of his best when, when we saw him at Kansas city. Um, so it's hard to be overly concerned about it, but at the same time, when you're playing a rookie coach who wants to try and run a <laughs> fake punt against the special teams master, um, <laughs> You know, you're going to take that, but it makes your job way easier because the Browns are just going to consistently shoot themselves in the foot until the end of time. And I hope it never ends. Um, So it kind of floated around your question a little bit, but I think it's it's something more to to note. And if it becomes a problem against David Johnson, it becomes a problem against Clyde Edward Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Excuse me. The next two running backs we're going to be facing in these upcoming weeks. Then, yeah, then we can start to maybe hit the panic button a little bit. But, again, sometimes offense is your best defense. When your offense is putting out points like that, it's not always reliable. But, hey, you can give up the six-yard run, the seven-yard run, the 12-yard run a a little bit more than you could. I mean, these guys will never say it. But when you're racking up points, it doesn't matter how good their running game is because all that's doing is chewing out the clock. Well, to that point, Tim, that's something I keep circling back to for me personally. And I think it's something we've – you know, it's hard to reckon with, and we even talked about it last year. Uh, the Ravens are not a defensive football team anymore. This is an offense-first uh, football team for a franchise that, for its prior 23 seasons, it was been defined by defense. Um, so, you know, I, they know they have to improve. Uh, they, you know, said as much. Uh, uh, they They weren't blind to what the Browns were able to do. At the end of the day, though, it is kind of hard to get too worked up. You know, they gave up six points, so <laughs> I'm not, I guess I can't be super concerned. But, you know, for a while, those issues were there, and I think due in part to Browns being the Browns, they either willingly or accidentally got away from the run game. That was clearly working. Um, so I think it's more something to monitor, but I do think to your, your point, too, uh, it's just something that's, I think, hard for Ravens fans to accept, but, like, this is Lamar Jackson's team. The offense, the Ravens are an offensive football team, uh, is the identity of their team now, uh, with Lamar Jackson. And so, this defensive, like, slippage we've seen, quote-unquote, is, you know, it's not the end, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's, uh, it's certainly annoying in the moment when you're just like, why does he just run for 10 yards every time he gets the ball? It's like Kareem Hunt, but... Um, you know, at the end of the day, they still, they tightened up, uh, still only gave up six points, got a lot of turnovers. So I'm not too concerned yet, but it's definitely with those, especially, uh, the, the chiefs in two weeks, uh, the running games where, uh, the Ravens are going to see, uh, it's definitely something to monitor. <laughs> Quick note here. The time of possession in this game ended up being almost identical for the two teams the browns had it 30 minutes and two seconds and the ravens had it 29 minutes and 58 and the seconds. score was 38 to 6 <laughs> certainly a different output with the time that those teams uh had had to work with one other thing i have to bring up here i almost forgot about it and i'm so glad i remembered because one of my favorite things of this game sort of once the score uh 
I guess once the game wasn't really in doubt anymore. Uh, I don't think I said that phrase right. But anyway, let's get to the fun part. Odell Beckham. Uh, the Ravens defense does not enjoy this man. They do not <laughs> find him funny. They do not find him a playmaker. They do not respect him at all. And I had forgotten. I saw a tweet as I was scrolling post-game. I had forgotten when the Marcus Peters extension was announced that both uh, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry like subtweeted. I'm not really hip with all the Twitter terms necessarily, but they both responded to the news with, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Can't wait to see him. Can't wait to have this guy in the AFC North for more years. And then Odell Beckham did not play well at all. Had a crucial <laughs> drop in the first half on a third and, I think it was a third and two that then turned into a missed field goal instead of a first down, which could have kept the game closer for longer. And then Marcus Peters, they were just all, there was a play where Marcus Peters deflected a pass at a certain point against Beckham and just gave him a whole like 18 step dance after the play <laughs> was over. And I just very much enjoy how poorly Beckham played. And how much the Ravens enjoyed it. Marcus Peters doing the D's nuts all over Odell Beckham Jr. was <laughs> incredible. Um, as a guy who, you know, in our preview episodes, the last couple we've done, we've, we've voiced our concerns. But I love that Marcus Peters went to the Terrell Sugg school of we know we're the villains and we don't really care. It just makes, it warms my heart that every time he sees these guys, you know, Marlon Humphrey choked out Odell Beckham last year. Then they start commenting about Peter's contract. And so now they have this vendetta against him. And you're going to piss off the bad boys of the AFC North? That's what you're going to do? That's your plan? I mean, look, we all know Odell might have some proclivities that make him seem a little cuckoo in the head there, or at least maybe, maybe. And everybody knows what I'm talking about if they know. Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, boy. But the fact that the, fact that the Ravens, who – Clearly the favorites in this game, clearly the, the, the top dogs, the ones to beat in the AFC North, still find these little things to hang on to, and they let these guys know about it. Like, this is the reason I d- dislike the Browns so much, and we are, we are very much a Browns-hating podcast here on Pod Like a Raven, <laughs> and we're not afraid to admit it. At least I know Jason and I are not. It's so great to me now that they have all this talent that they just can't put it together, that it's just – it's going to completely fail, and it's wor- – it's, Worse than having just a schmuck roster that then doesn't do anything. There's a load of talent on this roster. This roster is super deep, and yet still they have this – because of that, they have this sense of, like, arrogance to them that makes them think that they should get these things that they haven't earned yet, and Marcus Peters let him know on Sunday. I, I'll tell you what. Jarvis Landry is the one who worries me way more down the line than Odell Beckham Jr. does. I, I think Odell is washed, to be completely honest. I mean, he's going to make a couple spectacular catches. That's great. But outside of maybe one or two massive games he has a year against inferior opponents, like when he's coming, up, when he's coming into Baltimore or Baltimore's going into Cleveland for a big game that means something, there's a playoff berth on the line, a division title on the line, whatever it is these next couple of years, the only guy that scares me in the receiving game on that offense is Jarvis Landry. Odell does not at all anymore. Yeah, they've completely shut Odell down. And I just personally, because I am a Browns hater, um, I have to say I appreciate Baker Mayfield struggling against the uh, the Ravens. As, you know, number one pick, are, uh, the Ravens QB, Lamar Jackson, the number 32 pick in the same draft. Uh, 
It's heartwarming. As it, it really fan. is. It really is. And that, that probably speaks more to how bad of people we are. But it, yeah, it warms the sure. cockles of my heart that they are just struggling so much. And the fact that Marcus Peters, again, coming from the T-Sizzle school of we're going to let you know about it, is letting them know about it. <laughs> last negative. Last note that I have, and then I'm going to give you guys each another 30 seconds to talk about this game. Small concern. It's a positive and it's a negative, and it relates to Baker Mayfield, who did not look good under pressure. That's sort of been his M.O. the past year and a few games, that if you can put pressure on him, he gets rattled, the throws don't come out as accurate as they should, and he misses open guys. The negative of that is that the Ravens were not able to put a ton of pressure on him with a four-man front. And we've talked about this, that Wink Martindale's going to have to blitz based on the personnel that he has. And that happened in week one. He had to blitz, and that's when he was able to get pressure on Baker Mayfield. But, you know, you'd love to see more uh, pressure coming from the four guys up front, but, uh, you know, not, not expecting it necessarily, as, as we know with this defense, how they how they operate here in terms of needing to blitz to put pressure on guys. And, uh, Tim and Jace, last, uh, Jace, why don't you take it? Last thoughts on this game? Yeah, just to that point, we saw something we saw rarely last year, actually, but the uh, Matthew Judon Memorial uh, roughing the passer penalty uh, he took just, It was you know, so bad. Several seconds of real time after Baker Mayfield threw the ball. Um, it was bad. I, that, that was probably the most annoyed I was at any point of Sunday's game, honestly. Uh, but on the whole, I think, you know, I thought Lamar was awesome. I thought it was one of his best games, especially just attacking through the air. Um, I, I, 11 of his completions traveled over 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, so he was slinging it. And I think that's a promising sign for, you know, his continued evolution as a quarterback. This is the reigning MVP, and he might have just had his best passing game of his career, uh, you know, from just a pure in-the-pocket kind of sense. Uh, and he still led the team in rushing, for what it's worth. <laughs> Something, you know, we take for granted. Still had some great jukes, so... I just I love Lamar Jackson. That's obvious, but uh, it was another great game for him. And I think Tim and you had mentioned excited to watch him again for uh, fifteen more games. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, this time last year we did this, and and we're probably waxing poetic for if you go back and listen to that, maybe an hour on just how good Lamar Jackson is. <laughs> and it's almost weird that it's become normalized. That you know. We've gotten better as a podcast, but also we realize we can't just wax poetic about this guy forever because it's just a little bit commonplace. Um, I, I have two quick final thoughts. I love him to death. Um, if he hears this, which he won't, but my new goal in life is to get him on this podcast. But I think we saw Patrick Ricard's final carry uh, as a <laughs> member of the Baltimore Ravens, unfortunately. It, the, the fullback dive doesn't work for him. He's got, he's got nose guard hands. It seems like, um, you know, he caught a reception after that, too, which was nice to see that they kind of went right back to him in the next drive. Um, but I love the man. He's a great blocker. But that was a little bit unfortunate. But my, my real final point, actually, is going to go to that pass rush. First of all, on Judon, my, one of my great friends, Garrett, was watching the game with me. Shout out to him. He listens every week. A loyal listener here on Pod Like a Raven. As soon as that happened, I start screaming expletives, and he goes, and there goes Tim. He's back off the Judon train. I'm officially off the Judon train. Do not, <laughs> He's off. Do not pay that man <laughs> a cent after this season because that's the type of stuff that's going to kill them in games, and it's just it's maddening. And plus, he didn't make an impact otherwise, so why? Let's just find somebody else. A guy who I thought played decently well, 
albeit with much lower expectations. And just something interesting to note, we talk about the other side of Judon. Who is going to be that guy to produce pressure on that end? Who's going to be the guy to play over there? We mentioned Pernell McPhee a lot. We mentioned sack daddy Jalen Ferguson. But it was Tyus Bowser who played most of the snaps over there opposite Judon. He played 53% of the snaps on defense coming out to 39 Way more than Pernell McPhee, way more than even Jalen Ferguson as well, and, and got a sack. Tyus Bowser got a sack. Um, I believe he's in a contract year, so he's kind of in a put-up-or-shut-up type year and came out of college being a, a, a sack aficionado, so maybe that is the guy on the other side of the ball uh, to keep an eye on. And he's a linebacker who wears number 50, so like or 54, but in the 50s, I should say. So I'm <laughs> all for Mr. Tyus Bowser getting some more reps and uh, – Hopefully he can continue to progress and maybe become a, an important piece for this defense. Last note to John Harbaugh overall. I mean, I'm sure he's frustrated with some of the penalties that, that his team had, specifically in the first half. But just for him overall, the man handles week one games. Respect to John Harbaugh with another blowout in a week one win. All right, let's pivot now. Jace, we're going to have you uh, tease out the random Raven here, and then we're going to get to some uh, NFL recap. So why don't you give us the random Raven for uh, week one? Yeah, so I don't know how I landed on this guy. Um, I must have been in something I was watching, but uh, here we go. This man is among the six players to make a field goal for the Ravens. He's the only player to hit 100% of his field goals with the Ravens, going two for two during his lone appearance with the team on Christmas Eve in 2011. Oh, the, the kicker was in the NFL from 2001 to 2015 and played for 10 different franchises, including the Ravens. Um, he's most known for his seven seasons with the division rival Cincinnati Bengals, with whom he made his lone Pro Bowl appearance in 2005. And that's all. I couldn't get to a fifth, but I figured... Oh, oh you're just giving us name four is, clues for a guy that is The name is there. Uh, yeah, well... The, <laughs> There's not that much to say about kickers. <laughs> I didn't uh, crunch the tape from that uh, Christmas Eve 2011 game against the Browns, if that helps you at all. <laughs> See, you're trying to do, like, even, you know, the Ravens have had some good kickers, and obviously the most accurate kicker in NFL history is the one they current have, currently have, Matt Stover, another legend of the team. It's hard to imagine life before Justin Tucker. Like, that, that window... Albeit the the he who shall not be named aside. Well, from, I was going to say, you know how this season ended that this kicker appeared. <laughs> yeah, from Matt Stover to Justin Tucker, there's one man who I choose to forget uh, for my the entirety of my life, and the rest of them I just forget automatically because I don't remember who was kicking in between those two guys. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll run through these clues again. I figured this would be a fairly hard one, but. Uh... I don't know. It made me laugh, so and that's why I made it this guy. If you go to listen to the uh, NFL highlights of the Ravens-Browns game on YouTube, please pay attention to when Justin Tucker kicks, I think it's his first <laughs> field goal of the game. And just do me a favor, either put the headphones on if you're at work or whatever. I guess you're not at work. You can't be at work, but... Put the headphones on if you're in a family environment uh, or otherwise. Just listen to the audio from Justin Tucker after he drills his first field goal of the season. He's still got it. Still got it. Still going strong. <laughs> All right, Jace, that's a fantastic random Raven. Did not know that this team has had that many kickers, to be honest. So let's move on now to the NFL. 
where a lot of games to talk about. I'm not sure in what order we're going to go on, but I, I suppose we should start with what was the marquee matchup of the weekend. Uh, and I'm not sure who wants to take this one first, but it was the two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks going at it. Tom Brady on the Bucks, which was a very strange jersey to see him in. Drew Brees for the Saints in New Orleans. And I think uh, we may have some differing opinions on on this, but Tim, why don't you take uh, why don't you take this game first? Yeah. Thoughts on uh, on these two forty plus year old men? I'll say I'll go first here because I know Jace will probably provide a more eloquent answer. But Tom Brady's <laughs> washed, man. That's it. <laughs> See ya. Get out of here. The whole thing is done. This team is. I, I we've said it before in the previews. You're either in on the Bucks or you're out on the Bucks. I'm out on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and vindication in week one. Now, we can overreact, obviously, and everybody will overreact to week one and people will find their medians, but it was a pitiful performance from him. Um, he, he threw a Matt Schaub-like pick six on an out route, well. that, he, on an out route that he just couldn't get to the, to the receiver. Um, that team in general is just completely undisciplined already, and there's nothing that one, you know, over 40-year-old quarterbacks going to do to help that, especially in the first week. Take everybody else can buy the buck stock. I, I only had like one or two shares left anyway, and I'm selling them. I'm completely out on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's, uh, it's funny you mentioned Matt Schaub because I saw this stat on floating around Twitter that Matt Schaub and Blaine Gabbert uh, were the last quarterbacks to throw uh, pick sixes in three consecutive games. Uh, which Tom Brady has now done. Uh, three straight games, uh, he's played with a pick six, um, which is a problem for the Bucks and for him and for a franchise whose entire reason he's there is they uh, did not want the Jameis Winston experience anymore because um, it, it it didn't look too different yesterday. Uh, the first one seemed like a miscommunication, his pick to Mike Evans. Um but yeah, I mean that out that was just he had nothing on that ball. And you know, Janoris Jenkins been around a long time too. He saw that coming all the way. Uh friend of the show, I wanted to shout him out because we were texting a little bit about it uh yesterday. Chris Main uh uh wanted uh asked um is uh Given uh, the proclivity of the Bucks' offense, how much the pass interference factored in to the Bucks actually moving the ball, especially early. Uh, Chris Bain asked if uh, Brady is the new Joe Flacco, <laughs> which, uh, and is he elite anymore? Uh, to Tim's point, I don't know that you could say Tom Brady's elite anymore. <laughs> it certainly didn't look like it yesterday, and, you know... Three straight games with a pick six is certainly not ideal for a guy kind of renowned throughout his career to take care of the ball. I'm not ready to rush and say they can't make the playoffs or that he's completely cooked. But I do think, like, if he is, that you know, that's not his fault. The guy's 43 years old. He's, like, literally doing things no one in NFL history has done before. You know, I, I think we all hate Tom Brady uh, to some degree, but uh, hate might be a strong word, but he certainly annoyed us as football fans as and Ravens fans specifically over the years. But it's hard to deny, you know, he's probably he's the most successful quarterback in the history of the game. There's no real arguments against it. 
But he's 43 years old. Like, I don't know. I'm, should we be surprised that he can't throw an out that good anymore? <laughs> like, guy's 43. He's I, one of the only player born in the 70s still in the NFL. Maybe there's a few kickers out there. But, you know, um, and Drew Brees, I guess. But, yeah, I he seems old. And, you know, that's not his fault because for an athlete, he is old. <laughs> So I'm not ready to write them off yet, but they certainly have some things to improve upon. And maybe with some more time to play without the preseason, it gets a little better. But it, did, it wasn't a great start for them yesterday. And the Saints weren't even that good. Breeze wasn't that great either, but it, just way too many mistakes. And this wasn't even Brady's fault, but that the funniest turnover I've seen in a while, the two Buccaneers colliding on that kickoff return and just giving the ball right back to the Saints. I mean, that put the game away right there. So... I'm not ready to write off the Bucks yet, but it definitely was not an ideal start for uh, Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting them in the Super Bowl, but I, after one game, I mean, the guys played 20 years on one team in one, a different franchise with a, the best coach in the history of sport, maybe, or aren't in the top three best Pretty coaches close, in the yeah. history of sport, so... Tim, if if you're selling uh, shares at a low price, I may jump in at the basement here and and see if uh, <laughs> they improve after a few weeks. Just because it was a sloppy game. I mean, there's no preseason on a new team with a new set of weapons to throw to. Mike Evans clearly not playing at 100. percent He was like a non-factor for 90 percent of that game. And in theory, they're playing what is supposed to be maybe the top NFC Super Bowl contender on the road. And in the third quarter, at the end of the third quarter, they were down by a touchdown. I, I was sort of prepared for the oh my goodness they're gonna the Bucks are gonna win this game late and it's gonna annoy me because of how badly <laughs> Brady played and they're still gonna pull this game out which didn't quite happen but I think they're gonna get better week to week as opposed to worse uh, as they get going here and and certainly they'll have easier opponents than uh, having to play in the bizarrely empty Super Yeah, but it ain't going to be Miami twice a year. It ain't going to be a bad Buffalo team twice a year. It ain't going to be the New York Jets twice a year. Guess what, Tom Brady? Your cakewalk is freaking over, and you're 43 years old. I'm sorry. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And I will will hold my hand up here at the end of the season if they're in the playoffs, but I don't see it. Completely out on that undisciplined Tampa Bay Buccaneers side. Elsewhere in the NFL, I'll tell you a team that's still good. Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, my God. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's going to – well, this is early, but Ravens Chiefs competing for the top record in, in the AFC because they have – they just added another weapon in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just a terrifying running back who seems impossible to tackle. Patrick Mahomes did not look like a man who was sitting on his, whatever, $6 billion contract that he got. He looked like a hungry player – a well-oiled machine that that really blew out the Texans on Thursday night. So thoughts on uh, – we'll talk about the Texans a little bit in our preview, but thoughts on, on how strong the Chiefs look. The, Edward Zelaire, you know, everyone – he was high on fantasy just with Damian Williams opting out. but And it was raining there, but, you know, they looked like they could run the ball. Maybe in a way they couldn't even last year, uh, certainly. And, you know, Texans not the greatest defensive team in the world, but um, – I mean, that's if they can run consistently and you also have Patrick Mahomes, that's just so scary. And Edwards and Larry, he didn't even get like too involved in like the pass game, but um, yeah, he didn't even have a catch, but he has that ability too. LSU threw screens to him like all the time. And uh, 
you know, Andy Reid loves screens, famously. So, uh, it's very annoying. All sorts of screens. Screens <laughs> on his face, screens on the field. Yeah, I'm fogging up. But maybe maybe he'll figure that out. Uh, that, that's that's one place this Chiefs can improve, is having their head coach see the field. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, they looked, uh, they looked so good. Uh, and, you know, Texans scored a few late touchdowns. But, yeah, it was 31-7 to at one point. Um, the it's annoying, and especially with the one uh, buy this year, there's a real world where, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Ravens and Chiefs are playing in two weeks for what will effect- effectively be home field advantage throughout the, the AFC playoffs. Um, and the Ravens, you know, could go 11-5, 12-4, and just be playing like the Steelers on wildcard weekend because everything's bad. But um, I know I was very annoyed. I was very impressed with the Chiefs. Obviously, they're a very, very well-run organization. And, you know, adding a running back, a super talented running back, when that's probably your weak point on the offense, seems like it worked out. (laughs) So, you know, that's good teams stay good. Smart teams stay good. And, uh, yeah, Chiefs are going to be just as good as they've been the last few years, I think. They... My one concern, because you nailed it all, Jace, but my one concern with him as, and nobody likes to hear about other people's fantasy teams, I was playing against Edwards Hilaire in fantasy, and twice he was on the one-yard line, and they failed to punch <laughs> it in. And I was ecstatic. If you're a Chiefs fan, <laughs> I know Andy Reid will probably figure something else, but something out, but that's just something to look for. You know, the, in the big games, only a yard, being able to punch it in and have that ability to do that might be something to look, uh, look at. One team that's not going to have a problem doing that, who is another annoyingly good team in the AFC, is old Cameron Newton and the New England Patriots. Uh, what do we what do we think, guys? And not to take the hosting roles from Mr. Uh, Barbero over here, but I'll, I'll throw it to him. We'll, we'll switch it up a little bit. <laughs> 21 to 11 over the Dolphins. The Dolphins, not as bad as last year, but still not great. Um, it still fits magic. No Tua. He had to run 15 times, 15 rushing attempts for Cam Newton. He looked good, but... What do we think? Can he do that all year? Are we worried about the Patriots? Because I'll t- I'll, my, my quick spoiler, I am on the complete opposite end that I was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers about New England, but that's because they're New England. I am, uh, I'm all in on this being the game plan for the New England Patriots. I don't think, I, I don't think they're going to stick to this, but if Cam Newton is getting hit 15 times a game, based on the injury history that he has and the punishment that he's already taken in his career, I hope they do this every single week because by week 12, the guy's not going to want to keep doing this. And I don't know how much they're going to be able to do in the air. Uh, Threw for 155 yards, everything short, only averaged eight yards a a completion. And he rushed for 75 yards. Look, 21 to 11 is the most like (laughs) Bill Belichick versus Miami score ever with a team that historically has been a problem for them, but I want to see them against, a, you know, some better competition against a better quarterback specifically, but uh, I'm not buying any New England stock at the moment to keep that going because I just don't think that kind of offense for, for Newton is going to be sustainable over the whole season. It, and for them, it'll be interesting this week because I, I, I'm kind of with Antonio. I, I mean, I'm, I'm buying in the sense I think they are going to make the playoffs and possibly even win that division still. Uh and I think in many ways, if they can keep Newton healthy, I think what we saw yesterday is like Bill Belichick's like dream game. Like 
low scoring ball control you know they they had 10 more minutes time of possession they dominated the the rushing advantage uh 217 to 87 uh it it's funny because they've had tom brady but you know at his heart bill belichick is a defensive coach he uh is known for his defense and i think you know uh especially you you think way back to the early the first dynasty the first uh three and four years with the patriots that was a defense team they ran the ball a lot they got Corey dillon in there at one point and i believe he led the nfl in rushing um I, bill belichick i think is super content to just play games like this i think of all the coaches too he's probably the one least concerned about no fans i don't know if you saw his uh quote about uh they asked have you ever seen an environment like this without any fans and he just replied practice uh so bill Melichick is um not phased. he's in mid-season form yeah he uh he seems to be they asked him do you like this time of year and uh he said i like football i like football season so he's locked in uh and I, Me I don't too, know. Bill, by the way. Me too. I like football. <laughs> yeah. He, um, so I, I think he's loving what they're doing right now. Now, I don't know, to your points, I don't know that they have the weapons to really beat a team like the Chiefs when it comes time to the playoffs. And I don't know about, like, you know, Newton's had, like, major shoulder uh, surgery a while back. So, you know, how well can he even just consistently sling it constantly? Especially when, like, I don't know, Nikhil Harry's your best wide receiver, Julian Edelman. It's not great. But I think they got a great offensive line, uh, most of those guys. But David Andrews is back after he had a blood clot uh, scare that held him out last year. So um, they got a good line. I'm still plenty concerned about New England. But uh, we'll get a good test this week. They play Seattle, and we'll see, you know, Jamal Adams at Prez on Twitter was – flying around the field and so i think this will be a good test to see if that kind of this kind of style is sustainable i guess for them elsewhere around the league i have a few notes guys and then i'm going to let you jump in with whatever you want to talk about i things i wrote down and this is mostly just me being on tilt but phil rivers phil rivered <laughs> uh against what was supposed to be the worst team in the nfl yeah. somebody may or may not have had that game involved in some financial activities over the weekend and it just ruined every single little parlay teaser action that may or may not have happened so that was frustrating to see what was supposed to be sort of the negative coronation of the Jaguars going through a terrible season and instead looking all right Gardner Minshew looked okay and Philip Rivers turned the ball over as Phil uh, used to do with the Chargers and now is going to continue to do with the Indianapolis Colts the Washington football team, which I didn't write that at first and had to d- delete the team name and correct it, humongous win against the Philadelphia Eagles that nobody saw coming, especially after the first quarter. Philly took an early 10 nothing lead. And uh, Dwayne Haskins, I don't think he's the answer, but he looked okay, and they ended up scoring 27 unanswered points to beat the Eagles by 10. And then the Lions. I don't know if, oh uh, if one of you has some, some <laughs> research this prepared for this this uh, doozy of a game. I'm trying to pull up some of the statistics, but really all you need to know is the Lions had a large lead in this game. They were up 21 or 20. I think it was 26 to 3? 26 It was to 23 to 6 23 to entering six. the fourth quarter. <laughs> And that team somehow lost outright in regulation. Yeah, they so allowed that's just... uh, 
we didn't. We kind of buried the lead. They allowed three fourth quarter touchdown passes from Mitch Trubisky, starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears, <laughs> to blow the lead, and then just l- dropped the win, the winning touchdown. DeAndre Swift just couldn't bring it in. It was insane. I was watching that live. I was like. Oh my god, this is like the most Lions lost to give up that many touchdowns. And apparently Trubisky, there were stats coming out, has just lit up the Lions since Matt uh, Patricia's been there. <laughs> it's like all of his best games in his career have come against the Lions. So, I don't know. It's very Lions. I don't have much to add other than that. It's just like, this This was a Lions team that had the third overall pick in the draft, won three games last year. I believe they went 3-12-1. and one. And I'm fairly certain they led every single game last year. They just find ways to blow games incredibly. So I was a big fan of watching that. It was very funny. <laughs> and then my final note, we talked about the Packers in the in the offseason. A lot of doubt cast on this team for some reason. 13-3 and three season from a year ago predicted with a Vegas line of nine wins a lot of you know a lot of because they had a lot of one score victories last season and it was expected regression. We thought it was too much regression. I certainly thought it was too much expected regression because they still have Aaron Rodgers, who threw four touchdowns, 360 yards against the Minnesota Vikings. They dropped 43 points on them and and won a game comfortably. So that's my final note. Tim, any thoughts on uh, what games got your attention in the NFL? Yeah, just a couple quick notes on what you were saying. I don't know if we mentioned or not, and apologies if we did, but the Lions had a chance to win that game, and their rookie running back just straight up dropped the pass in the end zone. It was like not even a contested pass, and it just went right through the wickets, and that's how they ended up losing. Beautiful the game. throw. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> perfectly executed up into the point where you have to actually hold on to the football. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. We said it on our over unders podcast last week that it was insane that they were at like nine and a half. I believe the number was. Um, I think they were underdogs in that game yesterday. Or it might have been nine. Yeah. We, we thought about it. You're either going to get mopey Aaron Rodgers or pissed off Aaron Rodgers, and we're getting the latter. Uh, expect a massive year from him and Devontae Adams. Um, if we want to talk about another quarterback pairing, a guy who I am going to love watching in every 4 o'clock slate that the Baltimore Ravens are not pay, playing, excuse me, is a guy who plays very much like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Boy, that Cardinals offense is fun to watch. And – uh Maybe DeAndre Hopkins was a good player that should have been traded. A career-high 18 receptions for him in that Arizona offense. They just sling it all over the field. Loved watching them play. Part of it is because Kyler is my fantasy quarterback, but that might, you know, that might be made me a little biased. Um, and then a couple other notes here. Again, cool story with Ron Rivera, who is battling cancer right now with the Washington football team, as you mentioned. Um, so... He had, like, an IV injected at halftime as well. Haskins, although might not have the ability, is certainly a leader. All the reports coming out that he's the one who rallied everybody at halftime for that big comeback. So it would be cool to see have something good there for the, fo- for the football team after all the offseason ridiculousness. Um, and then one more from me, uh, and not to take all the thunder, Jace, but we should mention in our own division, I will talk about them, the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And I'm only saying it because Joe Burrow, I still believe Joe Burrow is going to be a good quarterback. I like Joe Burrow. I'm annoyed that he's playing for the Cincinnati Bengals because I don't like them. But that is what happens when you go from LSU with all that talent to a much faster league and the worst roster on planet Earth um, with the Cincinnati Bengals. He looked like a deer in headlights. He really did. Um, 
And then it came down to that last drive where Joe Burrow actually showed up. And then Randy I was say, still could have won. He still could have won. <laughs> and then Randy Bullock, who, like all of us after our first football Sunday, probably needs to shed a good 15, 20 pounds, fakes an injury <laughs> because he missed a horrible field goal. Um, and so the Bengals continue to bangle. Uh, it wasn't as funny as the Browns, partly because we were the ones who did it to Cleveland. But I hope they get – well, I hope in five years Burrow moves on to a team in the NFC. I'll just put it that way because um, I like him. Instead of Vikings quarterback Joe Burrow. Right. I like him as a player a lot. Um, I loved watching him at LSU. But you can see the difference with the National Football League when he's not surrounded by the top players in the country um, for one of the best teams in football now playing on the worst. It was nice to have Kevin Harlan on the uh, the call of Bullock's miss. It though. was. Uh, it really elevated. Oh, he missed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was very Bengals. Uh, and uh, it, that ending coming uh, with the Chargers on the winning end was the kind of the low key funniest part. The Chargers' first game without Phil Rivers and forever actually win a dumb game instead of lose. It's because uh, Phil Rivers moved on to the Colts and decided to lose yeah, dumb games yeah, for them and, uh, instead. Our, but our, I'm not going to talk about that more. Our good friend Gardner Minshew went 19 for 20. Uh, <laughs> um, as the, his team actively tries to tank. It was a great Sunday all around, I, I say. Uh, every game was interesting in some way. It, it always is on an opening week. <laughs> yeah, one small thing on that, too. Um, fantastic games. You know, again, awesome to kind of get back in the groove. And honestly, you know, Antonio, you made a quick mention of it before, and we don't have to have a lengthy debate about this or anything. Felt pretty normal. I thought, you know, no fans except in Jacksonville, swimming in the pool, spreading COVID around. Um, outside of that, I thought it was it was pretty normal. Um, and, that, you know, I work in soccer, as I mentioned before, and they got started earlier with Project Restart in the Premier League and this wild debate about crowd noise versus no crowd noise. I thought the crowd noise was nice. I mean, in football, it's nice. You really don't really see the crowd with the camera angles unless they're punting the ball or somebody throws it really deep. So just overall, beautiful to have football back. And it wasn't – It was, I didn't think it was going to be that weird, but it wasn't as weird as I think the national consensus thought that it would be. It was like dis- – distracting is the wrong word. It was just enough to make you not think about the fact that the stadiums were empty, basically, as a viewer. So I, I think it worked out pretty well also – Loved week one, loved football, loved having a sun, just a full Sunday slate of just television entertainment to watch. But with that, let's turn to week two, which is coming up in just, uh, at this point, with the episode coming out Tuesday, five, just five short days, and there'll be football in two days uh, for, the, for those of us that love AFC North <laughs> slugfests, because that'll be the Bengals-Browns on Thursday. But let's preview the Ravens' next game, Traveling their first road matchup of the season against the Houston Texans, which I I just have, I'm way overconfident in this game based on what I saw from the Texans against the Chiefs, based on the Ravens looking like the Ravens week one. This line is currently Ravens on the road, favored by six and a half. I love that line. I love that it's under a touchdown. Just quick thought, and then I'm going to go to you two guys. I think the Ravens win this by 20 points, to be honest. They won... (laughs) gigantic last year the Texans are worse than, in a lot of different measures than they were last year there's no DeAndre Hopkins to worry about in the secondary I if I'm the Ravens I put nine guys in the box to to shore up that tackling on David Johnson and I let the rest of the game play out as it will 
Am I uh, too excited about this matchup on the road? I- I'll say no, only because you're the most pessimistic optimistic that's not it optimistic <laughs> i have been called yeah, that before yeah. it's not a good thing optimistic person on this podcast i'm just i was thinking of jace and i all the time so i always love saying pessimistic and that's how that happened i honestly forgot about how they laid the smackdown on the texans last year so that does make me feel a little bit more confident and i think you're right the texans are much worse deandre hopkins just doesn't play for them anymore and david johnson is a off injured running back that's great um Two things make me nervous, and again, you know, you'll see more in-depth previews as, as we get later in the week. But David, that mentioned running back, David Johnson, especially because the run game wasn't as strong. And the fact that the Texans know they have to win this game. Um, as we record this, we don't know what's going to happen with the Titans, but you can't go 0-2. I, I know it's an expanded playoff format this year, and that's going to change things. But statistically, teams going 0-2 have a – very very small chance of actually making the playoffs so they're going to be desperate it's a 425 game which always makes me nervous but this is a new ravens team so who knows um i i'll put it this way i still like it at minus six and a half too but i'm not saying they're going to beat them by 20 <laughs> yeah uh i guess given my uh pessimistic nature I, I i do think 20 might be a stretch but i do think the ravens win this game um uh namely for the reasons you said they hammered them last year and i do think they're a worse team this year you know they uh i looked it up uh last year's game deandre hopkins had seven receptions for 80 yards and so really in based on the first game it's really just will fuller i know they have brandon cooks there and randall cobb but they did nothing against the chiefs and i like you know the ravens secondary a lot more than i think the chiefs i like the chiefs secondary so um uh if they're able to contain david johnson i think uh, and uh, last year, if uh, if I'm correct, I believe that was also they put some sacks on uh, Deshaun Watson, which was uh, one of their highest sack uh, output games. I don't think it'll be easy by any stretch. This actually, believe it or not, is the farthest uh, the Ravens have to travel uh, this entire season um, uh, is to Houston. And I, uh, the last I read, I do not believe actually that they are having fans for this game. I think they had said previously their first game they won't have fans. Um so uh, they uh, won't, at least in that regard, um, or have an advantage in any way. Uh, so I'm pretty optimistic. I think, like you said, Antonio, it's got to come down to can they contain the run? Um, you know, Texans had some moments against the Chiefs in the run game, but then the game kind of got away from them. Um, so if they can contain Johnson in the run, I think the Ravens should beat this team. They're better than the Texans. Uh, but, you know. The first first road game in the COVID atmosphere, it, it will be interesting to see if that somehow makes things more complicated or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic yeah. about this one myself, too. Just quickly as well, because we focused on one side of the football. But on the other side, too, I would say, you know, we talked about Tyree Phillips. We talked about, um, the, you know, Matt Sakura, Bradley Bozeman, the inside of that line. They're going to have to deal with J.J. Watt, who's healthy um, and is still a force when – when he wants to be and when he's healthy obviously so let's see how they do against those guys um i have i have some good i have some confidence after what we saw against cleveland but another thing to watch as well and hey let's see if lamar can just toss the ball around the park again uh to guys like hollywood mark andrews and villa sneed i think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of fun the the jj watt point is a good one he had he was constantly 
getting in the backfield against the he's Chiefs. Back. He he's just, back. He wasn't able to finish a lot of plays because the ball, you know, the ball moved the other direction. But he was absolutely beating his man on a consistent basis, and then would just sort of turn, and nobody else on the team was really playing as well defensively or tackling as well. I think he had a, fr- a frustrating game for him because he never really made the giant play, but was always disrupting the backfield. Put a few, put a few bodies on that guy. <laughs> Ricard, you know, no more carries for you. We're going to have you chip all game, have the tight ends chip. But I, I just think it's going to be Lamar just getting yards at will. I would love for them to establish the run a little bit better in this game. Uh, use the the trio of backs. Gus Edwards with one or two late carries uh, in the win against the Browns. He had a nice like twelve or thirteen yard run there at the end. And I, I don't know. I just I think six and a half is too low of a line. I think under a touchdown that's a, a really tasty tasty line. And I just love Harbaugh going against Bill O'Brien. I, I think as a coaching matchup, this is about as as one way as you can get outside of like Belichick versus O'Brien. <laughs> I think to your if point, you, Antonio, it will be interesting, especially since they weren't really against the Browns, see if they can get the rush uh, game going. Last year in this matchup, the Ravens rushed uh, 37 times for 256 yards um, and a touchdown and just dominated the time of possession battle. Now, it was at the time of this year last year when they were really rolling, but I mean, they're coming off a 38-6 win, so it seems like the team, uh, and obviously we'll see, I guess, about the health of Ronnie Stanley, because that kind of matters um to their offensive output especially the run game but uh i'm right there with you i think they ravens just have too many advantages across the board um to really go against them in this game ravens after this game just to look ahead quickly will face the chiefs in week three which is going to be a doozy and then a nice little stretch at washington home against the bengals and then at philadelphia but Got to take care of the Texans first on the road. Guys, if you don't have any more points on this game, let's turn to our gambling section. Uh, We have a few picks for you this week. I realized last week I picked the Steelers uh, minus 5.5 against the Giants, but that game was Monday night, so we're having this episode. We're recording right now, and that game hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to keep that line, and you guys (laughs) will know if I was right or wrong by the time you listen to this on Tuesday. I love the Ravens at six and a half. Just take it by itself uh, for me personally. And then as a final line, I'm doing a three-team tease because that's how I live. Last week, talked about the Chiefs-Ravens tease. That was one of the easiest covers ever. This week, I'm, I'm picking those same two teams, and then I'm grabbing Green Bay as well. So I'm doing a three-team tease, pushing Kansas City down to minus two and a half. Baltimore will get pushed down to minus half a point. And then the Green Bay line will go to even. And all three of those teams have to win those games to cover that bet. And I'm doing it. Three team tees. Lock it in. I'll tell you what. I'm looking back at my picks last week. Had the Ravens. Had New England minus six and a half. I also had Pittsburgh as well. So at time of recording, we don't know what that's going to be. Um, had New Orleans minus three and a half as well. And then the only one I didn't get was L.A. Chargers minus three and a half. And they won by three. So not a bad week for old Timbo. Maybe I actually need to really start gambling. Uh. <laughs> Wait, but that must have been, uh, Tim, I think you did. You must have gotten that right because the uh, Cowboys were favored in that No, game. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. The-, the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers against the Cincinnati Oh, Bengals. oh, oh. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Apologies. Sorry. Okay. Um, I will be talking about that other team, though, here for my bets. Um, I'm going to pick Houston, but I'm going to. Oh my goodness! Oh, Tim. But I'm gonna Tim. I'm gonna pick the Ravens to win, and it's gonna be a close game. I think, I think Houston's a good enough team to the point where 
they know they can't go 0-2, and, and they're going to be fired up. Um, and that's what concerns me overall. Um, David Johnson is a great player. That concerns me as well. And J.J. Watt, everything we just talked about. I still think, they think the Ravens come out of Houston 2-0, and but I think it's a little more of a dogfight. Um, after that, San Fran just lost uh, to a very good Cardinals team, I think, a team that, that showed a lot against the defending Super Bowl champions. Or, excuse me, defending NFC champions. San Fran is minus seven away to the Jets. The Jets are the Jets. The Jets continue to stink. About an hour <laughs> into their game, I think all Jets fans were already done with the Jets again for the 2021 season. So I'm taking San Fran minus seven away to New York. I don't think, you know, the travel is a lot, but I don't think it's going to affect them nearly as much. Um, and then I'll go L.A. Rams this time. They are actually, again, West traveling East. I don't know why I keep doing this with these bets, but they're actually underdogs to Philadelphia. Uh, it's Philly minus one. So I'll take the point and the Rams. Uh, Philly showed nothing uh, in letting Washington come back and win that game. They're already down on Wentz. He goes 0-2. They're going to burn that city down if he's still starting a quarterback, which is seems a bit ridiculous to me, but that's something we can get into at a later date. So give me the Rams, who I thought played very well uh, against the Cowboys. So I'll go Rams plus one, Houston plus six and a half, and San Fran minus seven. I actually had uh, Rams plus one jotted down as well. As you mentioned, the Washington football team rang up eight sacks on the Eagles, who have just been decimated on the offensive line. Uh, and I don't know if you guys watched Aaron Donald throwing human beings around last night, uh, Sunday night. Um, but uh, he looked good. Uh, the Rams looked pretty decent. I thought, you know, they probably could have scored even more points than they did. Um, yeah, I was not impressed with the Eagles at all to <laughs> just crumble like that against a probably not that great Washington team. Now their defensive line is nasty, so... I, uh, I too, noted uh, Rams plus one. The other team, uh, I'm doing a battle, uh, another battle of week one losers here. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are three-point underdogs at uh, the Phil Rivers-led Indianapolis Colts. Um, and I'm picking the Vikings plus three. I was not impressed with what uh, Phil Rivers did against a intentionally supposed to be terrible Jacksonville team, a team that has been designed by management to be bad. Um, and they managed to blow that. And the Vikings uh, should be a playoff contender. Uh, they have been historically owned by the Packers, but they still put some points up in that game. And I, I just, I like what the Vikings bring against, especially on their defense. I, you know, you think like, Ngakwe might be able to get some sacks and stuff. Um, but just like against that, <laughs> what I just was so appalled by what the Colts did yesterday. <laughs> so that's mainly why I, I think the Vikings are a good team and just them being an underdog. I just, I can't stand for it. <laughs> uh, and then just to uh, one other one, I don't know that I don't want to lock it in, but uh, just having not seen them play, it's hard to commit one way or the other, but Watching the Jags and Mr. Minshew uh, and the fact that they're now immediately 10-point underdogs to a Titans team that we don't know is good is interesting. So I'd say take a flyer on Jags plus 10. <laughs> uh, but for the Ravens, uh, the pessimism is over. I picked against. I was the only one who picked against them last week. I am taking the Ravens minus 6.5. 
Uh, I don't know that they're going to win by 20 points, but I do think they're going to win by at least... I get a lot of hate here yeah. for uh, bold, bold statements well, on Pod Like a Red. Yeah, I think they're going to win by at least seven. So <laughs> uh, I have got to say, yeah, Ravens uh, by six and a half. Let's do it. One note that you mentioned in that uh, line up there, Jace, that we didn't really talk about quickly. Dallas Cowboys playing the Rams Sunday night. Oh, boy. Would you like to kick a game-tying field goal in the fourth quarter? <laughs> nope. And then they do not score again, and the game ends with a three-point deficit. So Cowboys with a new coach still doing a lot of the same Cowboys stuff over there. I like these picks, guys. Any final uh, final thoughts, notes here as we go before we go back to the random Raven? Nothing. Excited right, for I'm more sticking, football. <laughs> I'm sticking with my Ravens, Ravens by 20. Jace, why don't you give us those uh, kicker clues one more time? Yeah, let's run through it. Uh, gotta unfurl my notes here. So, this man is among the six players to make a field goal for the Ravens. He's the only player to hit 100% of his field goals with the Ravens, going two for two during his one appearance with the team on Christmas Eve in a 2011 game against the Browns. Uh he was a kicker in the NFL from 2001 to 2015 and played for 10 different franchises. He's most known for his seven seasons with the division rival Bengals, with whom he made a Pro Bowl appearance in 2005. And then a final clue, not that I'm sure this will help at all, but with the Ravens, uh, this player wore number 12, which was then taken up by Jacoby Jones the next season. So I'm going to... I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask one more question, and then based on that, maybe I'll let Tim. I have a, a name here, but I'm gonna let Tim if you have a name as well. But my thing is, did this player happen to have red hair by any chance? Was this a was this a redheaded player? Oh, I yeah. <laughs> you don't have no Google images. Uh, no, I'm looking at him. Yeah, yes, I would. Do say I have Andy is, Dalton on the brain here? Okay. That is uh, red hair, red orange-ish, I guess. All right. Well, with that, then that so. I had a name, the number 12 threw me off, but the red hair is bringing me back. Is this Shane Graham, and did Shane Graham play for the Ravens? He did. One game in 2011, Shane Graham played for the Ravens. I don't know why he came up in my brain. I must have watched something he showed up in. I don't know, or like I was just making the rounds on football reference one night, looking at kicking stats, and was like, oh yeah. Shane Graham. As one yeah. does, by Shane... the way. As one does. Yeah. I got some free time. You said earlier no one has time to watch every Ohio State game on Saturdays. I have time to watch every Ohio State game on Saturdays also. Um, yeah. Shane Graham uh, played a single game for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, um, but kicked in the NFL for 15 years. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. He... I guess was on the Ravens roster for 12 or no. Yeah. Just the single game, uh, near the end of a string was cut by the Bengals after I believe he shanked like three field goals in a playoff loss to the jets, uh, after the 2009 season. But, uh, he was brought out. I don't know if Billy Cundiff was hurt. Uh, I don't mean to say the name Tim, but, uh, that was obviously that season. He who shall not be named. Yeah, he who shall not be named. I don't know if he was hurt. But Shane Graham played a single game on Christmas Eve in 2011 for the Ravens. Uh, Having the the one-game kicker is about as random a random Raven as you could possibly have. So just kudos <laughs> to you on that, Jace. 
that's going to do it for us this week. A lot of stuff to cover. We had to get back into the swing of things of having a game to recap and a game to preview, but we hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back next week to talk all about the Ravens. Hopefully 20-point win against the Houston Texans. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.